open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Hello, everyone, and welcome into CrushTheStreet.com. I'm joined today with a special guest. Uh, his name is Trace Mayer, and he started recommending Bitcoin around 25 cents. And he's just someone who's been an authority in the Bitcoin community. He funded core blockchain infrastructures, including Armory, which provides the foundational security for Bitcoin wallets, BitPay, the largest Bitcoin merchant processor, and Kraken, the largest Bitcoin euro exchange, and a major worldwide liquidity provider. He hosts the very popular Bitcoin Knowledge podcast, and he's also an expert in the economy and precious metals. And we got a few things that I, I do want to talk to him about. Uh, Trace Mayer, thanks for joining me. Oh, glad to be here again. I mean, it's wonderful. We've been uh, doing this together now, what, like 2012, I think, was our first yeah, interview? So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride, huh? <laughs> you know what? I, I got to tell you, Trace, I, I got the Bitcoin price. And, you know, we had talked about doing this interview. And uh, it was, it, it's very coincidental that we're seeing major moves today. Bitcoin is uh, 561, uh, as I'm looking at it right now, uh, up over $100 uh, close to 30% in just one month. And uh, today we're seeing quite the pop in commodities. Gold is up 30 bucks, silver is up 30 cents, and uh, Bitcoin is spiking, you know, 20 bucks in just one day, 20, 25 bucks in just a day. Uh, crude oil was down, but that's tied more to the economy. And that's just simply because the economic numbers are bad. And I woke up this morning and uh, all the headlines, job numbers, horrible, worse than 2010. And even with that, we saw the unemployment rate go down from 4.9% to 4.7%. And that's simply because we lost 600,000 people in the labor force. And it's not looking good. But the market responded in a fear trade in this whole aspect of things. It, there was a very much a fear trade here. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, is the fear trade kicking in? Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wrote a book, The Great Credit Contraction, in 2008. We've been in a fear trade easily since then. Uh, you know, where people are seeking safer, more liquid assets. It's one of the major reasons that we now have over $10 trillion of negative interest rate debt out there. Uh, so people are looking for safety. They're looking for liquidity. And prime assets for that are treasury bills, uh, gold, Bitcoin, I think, is increasingly becoming a fear trade. Actually, Bitcoin's just becoming the trade. Uh, it's the trade of, of the millennia, really, of, you know, since uh, 2000. And, and now it's, it's 
starting to pick up a little bit more attention and move again. And it, and it's, it was easily foreseeable too. I mean, I wrote an article December 7th of 2015. I said the rise of the next great Bitcoin up leg, and it was $385. Now it's, as you said, $561 and it's just getting started. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be an interesting year and it's going to be a year where we have a lot more change again, uh, because that's really what's happening. Our economy, our political systems, our institutions, whether they're governmental or intra, you know, even international, all of these things are in a state of flux and in a state of change. And that means opportunity for a lot of people. It means there's going to be a lot of wealth destruction, a lot of wealth creation, and also a lot of wealth transfer. So it's a tremendous uh, opportunity to really position yourself well. Let's talk about China for a second here. We know China's been on a lot of problems economically. We're seeing their you know, economy slow down. Their debt since 2008 like quintupled. Uh, so lots of lots of problems there, and we know China is buying Bitcoin. Uh, but why are they buying all of a sudden? Any insight on what is going on with China and Bitcoin? Well, first, you know, Bitcoin functions somewhat like like a Veblen good or a Giffen good, meaning that when the price goes up, people actually buy more of it. I guess it's people love to chase the rabbit, right? Gold functions in a similar way. Fundamentally. The Chinese are buying Bitcoin for uh, currency control issues because they they love to speculate and gamble because it's actually just fundamentally more useful to use it. Uh, an example would be uh, an importer in Brazil that's buying electronics from China. It takes 45 days and every single wire has to get central bank approval. And you know, then you go through all the currency exchange mechanisms, and then you get stuck in Chinese yuan, and then you have to figure out how to get the money out of China because there's 21 trillion dollars that has to implode in credit contraction in China. And so, why not just use Bitcoin if you're shipping electronics to Brazil? It's cheaper, faster, more secure, more liquid, more portable. It's already outside the system, so it's just a fundamentally better tool to use than yuan or reals or the current banking system. So, there really are a lot of reasons for the Chinese to be using Bitcoin. There's a lot of reasons for everybody to be using Bitcoin. And that's really what we're seeing is we're seeing this adoption and this growth all across the world in so many markets and in so many different ways. And so, you know, when as as the network effects take root and more and more people use it, it its price has to rise because there's this increased price, demand. What does Bitcoin look like in some of these countries that are just dealing with massive current problems? Argentina Venezuela and uh, you know Cyprus, you know Greece, these these countries that are just dealing with massive economic issues. What does it look like for an average person that says, "Hey, I want to actually take the local currency and convert it to Bitcoin"? I mean, what sort of premiums are they paying, and you know how how viable for them to to get Bitcoin and transact with it and uh, actually get out of their local currencies? 
Well, I mean, it, they're not necessarily even paying premiums. They're getting paid premiums to use Bitcoin. An example of this would be Argentina before Mockery kind of loosened up the currency controls. You would have a graphic designer in Buenos Aires, and they would get paid in Bitcoin. And then because there's not enough demand for Argentine pesos, and there's huge demand for either dollars or Bitcoin, they would actually earn like a 20% premium to trade their Bitcoin for local Argentine pesos, which they would then use to go buy their steak or or some of their, uh, you know, monthly expenses. And yet they would be keeping their savings in Bitcoin. And if they didn't necessarily like keeping their savings in Bitcoin, then they would use something like Coinapult's locks or uh, you know some of the other services out there where you can send your Bitcoin in and then, and then lock it or use a contract for difference to peg to the exchange rate of gold or to the dollar or something like that. So that way they're, they're not necessarily uh, stuck in Bitcoin, you know, because the price had been going down for a couple of years. So, you know, that's what it really kind of looks like for the average person in, in Buenos Aires or in Venezuela. They're, they're doing their labor over the internet, graphic designer, computer programmer, etc. They're getting paid in the currency uh, in, in Bitcoin. And then uh, there's a lot more demand for Bitcoin on the street. And so they actually get a premium because otherwise, how do you get Argentine pesos turned into Bitcoin. You know, if you're going through the banking system or whatever, you're going to be paying a 30, 40, 50% premium in a lot of ways. Uh, and so it's easier to just kind of remove all that and be doing a lot more in barter. So uh, these countries are definitely big centers for uh, demand for Bitcoin. And so anybody who's got Bitcoin, they get to get a premium instead of having to pay a premium in order to use it. So I think that that helps further drive uh, adoption of it. And then the currency controls, all those do is make it even more profitable for entrepreneurs to step in and, and provide these liquidity mechanisms. And so we're seeing, you know, we've seen it in Cyprus and Greece, in Italy, Spain, uh, Argentina, Venezuela, uh, China, Australia, New Zealand, you know, all these places where you have different corridors like uh, Brazil, you have like United States to Mexico remittances, then you have intra-South American remittances where there's about $60 billion a year sent intra-South American like Bolivia to Argentina, and they pay massive fees, you know, they pay 15 20% in fees, and yet they can step in and begin using Bitcoin, and then it's just so much smoother, and those fees those fees come down and those fees are a lot of money to those people and it's also growing in Africa uh, Africa is another area where we're seeing Bitcoin adoption growing because the average uh, remittance cost to Africa is nine percent when you're sending money from the United States to Africa it's one of the highest you know using Western Union or moneygram or something like that and so Bitcoin's stepping in and lowering mm. those fees no, and that's so that's really, really what it looks uh, like so for Trace, the man on the just street to get that clear people don't want to transact in those local currencies. So they're willing to pay a premium to whoever is willing to take Bitcoin for that service. That's what you're saying, right? It's no, no, not exactly. They're, they're willing, the, the majority of people in Argentina are sure. use the Argentine peso right, in the daily transactions. When you go down to the supermarket, you have to have Argentine pesos. You can't necessarily pay with your Bitcoin. But what we're look what what I'm talking about is the demand for Argentine pesos. Nobody wants 
to hold Argentine pesos for a long period of time, speculative demand. They, they use it for transactional demand, but not speculative demand. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing that, and same with Bitcoin. Bitcoin's got speculative demand component, which has been going up, uh, especially as the price has been rising, but there's also this transactional demand component. And so the, the man on the street in Argentina that is technologically literate, they're using Bitcoin both for speculative demand and transactional demand. And so when they get paid, when, when they work overseas doing graphic design work or whatever, they get paid in Bitcoin. They'll use Bitcoin to buy stuff if they can because that staves an extra step. But if they can't, then you know they'll, they'll move out a little mm. bit and get a big stack of Argentine so pesos Trace, and then they'll you go know, use that at the A country like China with a GDP around, what, $10 billion? Or ten trillion, uh, if they decide to want to hold Bitcoin for currency dif- diversification, I mean the people, you know, to a large degree. What does the the future look like for Bitcoin? I mean, how high do you anticipate Bitcoin going over the next five to twenty years? Well, I mean, you know, give us a give us a little idea oh, over what, the next what five to twenty years. It's, over the next, uh, you know. Five years and then into the next decades or two decades. That's that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, I mean, especially in the information is the crystal ball is kind of kind of clouded, right? But if just one person, I, I was the first person to come out with a multi-million dollar price per Bitcoin. The, and and I laid out some logic to it. If you had just one percent of offshore tax haven assets, which are about thirty trillion dollars, and you know from what we've seen with the Panama Papers, there's definitely demand for offshore services. So you just move one percent of that into Bitcoin, you're looking at easily two point eight million dollars per Bitcoin. We've got twenty one trillion dollars of debt destruction in China that needs to happen. We've got thirteen trillion dollars uh, sitting in U.S domestic U.S. bank accounts. Uh, we've got $9 trillion sitting in physical gold, you know, well, sitting in the gold markets. We've got trillions and trillions of dollars sitting in real estate and stocks and bonds and all of these things that are not necessarily safe or liquid or portable. And then we've got all the sovereign risk. You know, Are your assets going to get seized? Are they, you know, all of these issues. And and so Bitcoin, as it puts down all these network effects and those roots begin to really take take hold, more and more capital will get sucked into this vortex, this black hole on the world's uh, balance sheet. And that price could could be $10 million per Bitcoin. I mean, like I think there's a reasonable case to be made for that if Bitcoin takes on this settlement currency, programmable trust tool for the internet of things if it's being held on corporate balance sheets if it's being held in as reserves by central banks and the central bank of antigua for example they wrote a paper about how uh as bitcoin continues to get more and more trade share that the central bank of antigua should hold bitcoin on its uh, as part of its reserves and so i mean look at apple apple's got hundreds of billions of dollars of cash on its balance sheet if it was just the 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 entire market cap of bitcoin is like eight billion dollars 
I mean, if Apple, if and with BitPay, we find that our merchants they typically process you know between one and two percent of their entire gross revenue through Bitcoin once they've been accepting Bitcoin for about six months or more. And so, if Apple were holding one to two percent of their cash balances, their treasuries. Uh, cash basically in Bitcoin, you're looking at $4 billion of Bitcoin that they would need to hold. And with the $8 billion market cap of Bitcoin, a lot of Bitcoin is not saleable. It's been lost. People have lost the private keys or it's in really strong hands or whatever. I mean, we're looking at just huge, huge changes in the price of Bitcoin because it's an entirely new asset class, this cryptocurrency is. And you can think of it like an empty storage vessel. And we've got all these other storage vessels like real estate, bonds, stocks, uh, cash, gold. All of these are storage vessels that are filled up with trillions of dollars of assets. And yet we've got this new storage vessel that could be even a larger storage vessel than pretty much all the other ones except maybe real estate. And yet this empty storage vessel is... You know, there's so much capacity for wealth to flow into it, and it only takes just a little bit of of that wealth to bleed over into Bitcoin to really have the price go through the roof. I mean, if taking offshore tax haven bank accounts, you know, thirty trillion, you have just one percent of it move into Bitcoin, and you're talking like huge, huge moves in the price. So it's really exciting. Who knows, like what it'll ultimately turn into. Uh, but it, I mean, it could just, it could blow your mind, like how, how much this wealth transfer could actually affect the average person because anybody can just buy some Bitcoin right now, you know? So at the end of the day, like if this massive wealth transfer happens and people don't participate in it, they have no yeah, one I mean, to blame but themselves what because has happened with the price a little bit of Bitcoin here or there. Year, I mean, we're seeing over a hundred percent, I mean, close to getting close to, well, I mean, almost two, two fifty, two hundred fifty percent return. I, I'm not sure what the number is exactly. Oh yeah, but 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 that type of return is absolutely nothing. You want to know a return? When I started publicly talking about Bitcoin, hmm. four years, a return two x what right. Berkshire Hathaway has returned in the last forty. You know, like that's the scoreboard. You know, Warren Buffett, oh, Bitcoin's a mirage. Well, last time I checked, yeah. like since I publicly started talking about Bitcoin, the scoreboard is 2x <laughs> well, to be fair, Berkshire Hathaway Warren Buffett in the last is, 40 years. Uh, the, one of the richest you know, men scoreboard. on earth. So he, he's probably not that worried. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The wealth, the wealth has to be transferred from somebody, Right. And and his entire like he, they make all the money on insurance and interest and like the fiat monetary system Berkshire Hathaway does. When if we're going to transition from a debt based monetary system to an equity based monetary system, if we're moving from you know the, those types of instruments into safer, more liquid instruments like Bitcoin and gold, then yeah, the, guess what? The wealth has to. A lot of wealth has to be destroyed, but we're also in the information age, and we have robotics and a lot of things coming down the pipeline, so a lot of wealth is going to get created. But also, there's going to be a massive wealth transfer, and it's already started with Bitcoin, but it's – I mean it's it, it's so early. 
You know, I mean, we're we're looking at five hundred dollars a Bitcoin. You know, you know, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, but no doubt. You know what's uh, really Trace, cool? we got the like the five million dollars reward having. That's and, cool. Uh, you know, we're getting really close to that, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, what does this mean? And uh, are we seeing it reflected in the price at the moment? And your just your overall thoughts on the the block reward having. Yeah, so this is a fascinating thing that happens with Bitcoin about every four years. And uh, I've talked about it quite a bit publicly that it's impossible to even price in the effect of this happening. And there's a reason for that. First, we have to look at the the, the supply component of Bitcoin is that it's fixed. We Everybody knows what the supply of Bitcoin is going to be, more or less. Uh, so then all that matters in price is going to be the demand component. And so with the demand component, I like to split it up into two main prongs. The one prong is going to be speculative demand, and that's people who buy and actually hold it, uh, expecting you know the price to go up in the future, or maybe it's just sitting in an address that somebody lost the private key, like whatever. There's speculative demand, and then there's transactional demand. And transactional demand is where people buy it and sell it within a relatively short period of time, and they're they're only really demanding the Bitcoin in order to use it uh, for its ability to transfer value over a communications channel. So, Purse.io is a really good example. You know, you buy Bitcoins, you buy your thing off Amazon, you get your twenty percent discount, and you, uh, you know, and and that's the only reason you're holding your Bitcoin. You're not holding it for the price to go up, and. The really interesting and and in order to use it for transactional demand, you have to actually have possession of the Bitcoin, right? Like if it's it's got to be in the blockchain or it didn't happen. So there's none of this like Comex gold, like 542 people having claim to the same ounce of gold that's in the warehouse. Like no, you actually have to deliver the Bitcoin. And and when we're looking at Speculative demand. I mean, everybody's just very fickle. You know, prices up. Oh, we all got to buy. Prices down. Oh, we all got to sell. But when we look at the transactional demand, that's actually becoming very, very solid and stable because so many people are using Bitcoin. And what's the price? Oh, and prices are set at the margin. Remember, and and so this transactional demand. That's the margin where these prices are being set. But what's the price elasticity of demand for the transactional demand component of Bitcoin? Is the big question. And guess what? Price is absolutely irrelevant to the transactional demand component. Whether Bitcoin's $5 or $100,000 or $0.05, it doesn't matter. It still performs the utility equally as well. And so that that gets kind of really exciting because there's demand for this good regardless of what the price is and that demand is also on the very edges of the of the demand curve <laughs> and so yeah, that so we can you know when we when we had the happening happen last time it was 7 bucks it ran all the way to $266 over a period of a couple months 2 to 3 months and then when we had another shock in what i'd say is the saleable transaction demand component of the of the stock of Bitcoin was when Silk Road got shut down and a hundred million dollars of Bitcoin got seized by the US government well everybody had to go out and reacquire their transactional 
demand or supply of Bitcoin. And the price of Bitcoin went from $60 to about $1,200 over a two to three month period. So we usually see about it whenever there's a big shock to the transactional demand, transactional supply of Bitcoin, we see a two to three month period where the market has to readjust to the new equilibrium price. And you know, the first happening, we're looking at a 30x increase in price when that happened. When the Silk Road coins got all seized and everything, we're looking at a 20x increase in price when that happened. I mean, this time around, if it's only a 10x increase in price, we're looking at it going from, you know, 250 or $300 a Bitcoin to 2500 to $3,000 a Bitcoin. And who knows, I mean, who knows what'll happen? Maybe the SEC will approve an ETF and now a ton of Wall Street capital can get shunted into Bitcoin. Uh, or, you know, maybe we have a failure of a major exchange and then the price will tank again. I mean, who knows what, what the future holds for us, but it's just really such an interesting experiment like intellectually to see the uh, human Trevor, action at work, uh, you especially gold with an asset silver, where there's demand the regardless of what the price is, and, and that, that, that feeds on. into the speculative demand of people that want to chase uh, the rabbit. for every one ounce that's out there, you know, in, in that specific exchange. Uh, is it is Bitcoin at risk of going into the futures market and then having the same sort of manipulation people and you know, whatever the powers that be, people who want to control the price, uh, controlling Bitcoin. Is there a risk of this happening? I'd, you know, there, there's always a risk, but Bitcoin just has such fundamentally different dynamics. First, you can look at the blockchain and you can instantly assay both the quantity and the quality of the Bitcoin that are in your address. You know, with gold, you actually got to like take possession of the bar and then you got to melt a little bit of it down and you got to assay it. And so nobody really does that. And gold, you can't just instantly transfer gold over a communication channel like you can with Bitcoin. So, you know, it, if if they're going to try and and monkey do monkey business and shenanigans with bitcoin they're really like playing with fire because people can demand the physical delivery of the bitcoin and you have to have it in a lot of cases and so that and and we already kind of have a futures component to it with how mining functions uh and so it's you know it just it it becomes a very censorship bitcoin is just fundamentally censorship resistant and i think it's also economically like it's it's very it's not very susceptible to economic censorship because what are they going to do suppress the price of bitcoin guess what people buy the bejesus out of it right the market will buy just buy tons of it and be taking physical possession and eventually they'll run out of physical uh, run out of bitcoin to deliver to a, to an address so i mean how do you how do you really manipulate this thing um it i mean it's a it's a very hard it's a i see it as a very difficult task for them to try and manipulate it the way that they've tried to manipulate the price of other things now sure they could try to manipulate it with high frequency trading uh and like the bids and prices but at the end of the day like 
supply and demand, you know, drives so much of this stuff. And as long as the Bitcoins remain limited in amount and the Bitcoin network maintains its censorship-resistant technical properties like BitTorrent is, then I think it'll also maintain this economic censorship resistance, which means it's going to be really, really hard to try and enforce uh, some type of a price control on Bitcoin uh, because price controls lead to uh, shortages, shortages lead to rationing. That's what we're seeing with gold. Like, oh, we'll fail to deliver all of your gold, Germany. Uh, and you can't do anything about it because we have you occupied with a bunch of troops. Uh, it's very difficult to do that with Bitcoin because it, you have to have the Bitcoin in order to interact on the Bitcoin network. And so, you Trace, know, good luck you know, trying I gotta, to thank you for good coming luck on trying to suppress the price of this thing because and, and it really just increases. You know, people are just going to buy really more than an amazing sock it away. Invention, a you know, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a currency form of transaction, and uh, the opportunity and the upside. I mean, it's it's really, really, I mean, amazing when you consider all the facts that you have presented, and then all the geopolitical risks. And, you know, just the fact that people want to, you know, have freedom and ease and, and just independence from the government. Um, Trace, if people want to learn more about you and just maybe some final thoughts here, uh, where would they go? What would they find? And, you know, also just some final thoughts for the audience. Yeah, well, you know, final thought would be currency, and that's pretty much all we've talked about is Bitcoin's application as a currency. That's just one application of this new technology. Just like gold has many, many applications. You can use it in electronics, you can use it in computers, you can use it to fill teeth, like whatever it is. Bitcoin has thousands of potential applications besides just currency. So, like... You know, you better strap in because we're going to kick the tires and light the fires. Financial technology is being innovated. Uh, it the 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 biggest innovation we've had is the is the ATM card in the last forty years. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like Bitcoin is kicking down the door, saying, "Look, there's a new sheriff in town. We're going to innovate financial technology. We've got programmable money with distributed consensus that's that's censorship resistant that provides." persistent uh, immutability. Uh, I mean, all of these characteristics of it are just unbelievable. Uh, in terms of like where people can learn more, my podcast, I interview pretty much just CEOs in the Bitcoin space. So you get to learn about all these different applications that, that people are using Bitcoin for. Uh, podcast is at www.bitcoin.kn. And then for people who are brand new to Bitcoin, uh, in order to learn more about it, I'd recommend either weusecoins.com or bitcoin.org. Those are two very good sites for uh, people who are brand new to Bitcoin to kind of learn what they're doing with it. Um, but yeah, you, you have to just dive right in. You know, it's a new technology. You know how to send emails. You know how to play around with a smartphone. You know, you know we, we just have to have some fundamental technological literacy. And so... Y- it's that way with Bitcoin, you know, just dive in, figure out how to use the new technology, regardless of whether you want to buy some or not, because what it does is it gives you the option to be able to buy some. And that's really what you have to have in this type of crazy environment. You have to have options and anything that you do to increase your own skills, you know, investing in yourself. I think that's got 
potential you know, for I couldn't very have said good it better ROI myself, because Trace, it gives you uh, options Mayor, and it gives everyone. you flexibility Trace, and it gives you the ability the to change because the, the people or the institutions or the organizations that aren't able to change, they're the ones that are going to get creatively destroyed. Yeah, glad to be here. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. Yeah.